Are you ready to take your writing to the next level? Then welcome to the Book Editor Show. Join Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley each week as they teach you all the tips, tools, and techniques you need to move your book from manuscript to market. Visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books, and extras to make your old novel better than ever. Now, please welcome Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley. Welcome to the Book Editor Show, brought to you by Raven International Publishing, your one-stop for writing education, editing services, beautiful book design, and offline distribution. Stop by www.raveninternationalpublishing.com and see what they can do for you. Today on the show, we will be talking to the prolific author and industry expert, Joanna Penn, about her process in writing and editing. I'm Clark Chamberlain, and it is said that he once edited the 27-volume Men of goodwill while traveling the entire length of the Great Wall of China on the back of a camel. That man is my friend and co-host Peter Turley. Peter, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm great. I'm just glad I didn't have to edit that intro because, <laughs> because that sounded like quite the tongue twister. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I really like alliteration and it doesn't do so well sometimes when I'm actually saying it out loud. So... <laughs> No, I'm great. How are you doing, Clark? I'm doing really well. So it's been a it's been a good relaxing weekend uh, here in the states. We had uh, our Memorial Day weekend, which is kind of the three day weekend kickoff for summer. Uh, both the boys are out of school now and terrorizing me here at the home studio, and but it's great. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. So uh, how about you? What's going That's on? Excellent. Uh, well, summer's kind of kicked off uh, here, at least in the north of the UK. Um, so I went out and racked up a few steps today and got mildly sunburnt, but I know we were talking off air and I said, using my uh, technical skills, I just adjusted the white balance of my camera to hide my complete and utter sunburn that I'm, <laughs> I'm sporting today. Well, good. <laughs> so. you, you look very nice today, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to sort of um, be getting some nice weather over here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little we, uh, out of season but we, we are, take it where we can get it that's right we are too um we'll have it for about two weeks and then it'll be uh you know 110 degrees outside uh what is that like 50 celsius or something like that <laughs> um i mean i doubt it's 50 <laughs> i know I, i'm pushing that but it's going to be very warm here in just a couple but of I, weeks but i mean you know anything above like 18 over here feels feels hot <laughs> <laughs> well um Without further ado, I want to introduce our uh, guest, Joanna Penn. Uh, she is a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of thrillers under the pen name J.F. Penn and also writes nonfiction for authors. She's a professional speaker and award-winning entrepreneur. Her site, thecreativepen.com, is regularly voted one of the top 10 sites for writers. Connect with Joanna on Twitter at thecreativepen. Joanna, it is so great to have you here on the show. We are very pleased. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. This should be fun. <laughs> we are going to have a lot of fun because uh, I'm going to really mess up a whole bunch and it's going to be a good time. <laughs> so <laughs> It's only me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, and I've already, I've already uh, shared this once with our listeners, but for those who haven't heard before, I had a very uh, fun experience down in Austin, Texas and got to do a little country dancing 
with Joanna at a uh, the Smarter Artist Summit, and that was kind of the highlight of that whole little trip there. <laughs> well, I, I must say, you you're quite the dancer, and I'm not, so <laughs> it was it was short lived but fun while it lasted. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a good time, and um, it was really great to meet you there. I've always been a fan of your work. In fact, uh, your blueprint I think was one of the first things that I found when I started looking in to do publishing on my own, and uh, definitely a lot of help right there at the beginning. And um, what you spoke about at the conference, the future of publishing was just fantastic. You know, you, you seem to be the one kind of always ahead of the curve. And so we're just really glad to have you on the show today. And um, how did you get started into this? Like what, what drove you to, to get into publishing and working in fiction and nonfiction? Well, I uh, like many people, I used to work in, well, like many people still do work in big corporates. And uh, I was a business consultant working in the accounts department of uh, many companies across Europe, Asia Pacific. And although I had this, you know, what many people would consider a good job, uh, well paid and travel and everything, I really hated it. And I was miserable. Um, and I tried a number of different things. I tried running a scuba diving business. I tried property investment. And I just done none of it suited me. And in the end, I decided to to write a book on how to enjoy your job, which is now available as career change. And um, writing that book just changed my life, really. It didn't change many other people's, but it changed <laughs> mine, um, which is often the truth with your first book, to be honest. Um, and so I wrote that book and then I took one glance at the publishing industry and went, that is not for me <laughs> uh, because it, I was just like, what? You have to send things out to all these people and some of them might not reply and some of them say, no, thank you. And some of them are rude. And, and I was like, no, that's just that's just crazy. And they have to wait all that time. So I, I decided to self-publish first way back in 2008 before the Kindle went, was international, before, you know, people were making money with ebooks, before self-publishing was acceptable uh, in, in the world, as it still isn't in many places. But um, certainly, you know, back then it, it wasn't. So I made loads of mistakes with that book um, and first self-published it, started the Creative Pen that in December 2008 to basically share all the ways I'd been ripped off and all the lessons I'd learned all the money I'd spent on things that didn't work. Um, and basically, that's how I've just continued. So, um, you know, I wrote non a few more nonfiction books, started writing fiction, put my first fiction out in 2011, and also left my day job in 2011 to do this full time. So it's it. I, I'm kind of on the cusp this year, it will be my 10 years Um in writing, you know, since I first started writing that first book. So if, if people listening have ever heard of me or, you know, are aware of what I do now, this is 10 years on from day one of writing that first book. So I hope that's kind of an encouragement that it, an encouragement that it takes time, but that you can uh, make a full time living with your writing uh, just takes time and effort and writing. <laughs> Yeah, that, that writing one seems to get in the way a lot of what people are doing. <laughs> yeah, and I think, and this is a big thing. And, you know, if people like, if we're doing tips and everything, uh, probably one of those tips is at some point, if you're struggling with moving from reading books on writing or listening to podcasts on writing or going to seminars on writing and not actually writing, then um, timed writing sessions are the secret to writing books. It literally is set a timer, sit down and don't do anything else for the amount of time on the timer. And therefore, you will get to a finished book eventually. 
<laughs> and I've I've done some of those as well. Um, what is the uh, the the oh, I'm going to mispronounce it? The Maduro. It's a 25 minutes on. Uh, uh, yeah, Pomodoro method Pomodoro. doesn't work for me. I just put a timer on of whatever time I have. <laughs> I just I just like having that five minute break. I'm like ah, now I can do something else. But um, <laughs> what let's uh, we're talking about tips. What would you tell yourself? What would be the best advice you could give yourself? Um, today versus when you started like if you could go back in time and say hey this is what you need to be doing uh it's really tough because in 2006 the the world was very different uh the internet was very different you know uh, writing and publishing was very different and i think you know back then the advice to self-publish was was very bad um, you know, as a writer, I don't think it's changed as in you still need to get, um, words on the page. Probably the biggest shift in the way that I thought about books was moving from Microsoft Word to Scrivener. So that might be one big, um, tip. It, you know, Microsoft Word, you have to, it's very difficult to move chapters around. Um, with Scrivener, you can just uh, drag and drop chapters. So whether it's nonfiction or fiction, Scrivener is just a fantastic, tool for writers so I would probably tell myself start using Scrivener sooner because actually I didn't start using it until about um, certainly my second novel and probably my fourth book in total uh, and it just makes such a difference um, so that would probably be my biggest tip um, the other one would probably be you know I, I, I've just finished actually as, as we're talking today I'm about to send my next non-fiction book to my editor and as I'm, I've been it contains lots of excerpts from my diaries and journals over the years and as I'm reading it back, you know, reading back stuff from 2008 or 2011 when I put up my first novel, I was just devastated at, at the time when I put out that first book. I was, I just couldn't cope with other people reading the inside of my head. Mm -hmm. uh, so probably the other thing I would say to me is, you will, these feelings will get easier the more books you write. So just hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, are you back now? I, I saw you yeah, I, dro I dropped out there <laughs> and came back, and I feel like I missed a really great answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're secret not to it. the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to do the thing I hate most and listen to our own show. <laughs> I don't hate it. I secretly love it. <laughs> so, so along that line, um, at what point? Because you do you work for, with an editor for both your fiction and nonfiction? Yeah, I have different editors. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I use, um, I use a content and line editor for my fiction and then I have, um, a kind of line edit stroke proofreader for nonfiction and then proofreader for fiction as well. So I have probably about five different people I work with, to be honest. Now that's, that's really smart being able to have people there, especially getting the editing portion done, but then also that proofreading because editors, eh, occasionally we make a couple of mistakes we forget to to correct something or miss something there um well i think I, just on that i think the point is that it's another pair of eyes mm -hmm. uh, you know i often i say to people you only get that first read once so you know and a first read is when you often pick up the issues so it's really uh, that's why i use a proofreader because you can't expect someone who's edited your work so my fiction editor for example she does, she'll do a really big story edit and then she might and, and a line edit but she might read it again if i've made significant changes she might read it again there's no way she's going to pick up 
you know, typos at that point. And to be fair, I don't want to pay an editor to pick up my typos. I want to pay somebody with, no, that's terrible. A proofreader is doing a very good job picking up typos, but they are cheaper than a line editor or a, or a content editor whose job is to make my book better. A proofreader's job is not to make my book better. It's to stop people emailing with typos. (laughs) 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 So I think they have to be different people. Like you always need someone else to read the book before you upload it, as far as I'm concerned. I would totally agree with that. And in fact, that's uh, that's some of the problems that I had with my very first book, you know, is the and got me into the editing was because of that. You know, I didn't realize and kind of rushed ahead um, before getting some decent eyes on there and getting a good editor to work through it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean it sounds like you have a, a whole bunch of uh, editors there. <laughs> um, how much do you actually do yourself before you decide to, to, to hand it over? Um, to the, the content editor or whoever you pass it to first? Uh, well, basically, I so my first draft I do in Scrivener and I call it a first draft when I can print it out and say I, I gave it to you at that point. I could give you the first draft. You could read it all the way through, regardless of fiction or nonfiction, and it would be coherent. So it didn't it wouldn't have things like insert action scene here or XXX in brackets, find out who who said this for my nonfiction, or you know, XX research this. As soon you know, and basically I have I, I go through and highlight things and change flags on Scrivener until the whole book is marked basically yellow flags. Um, and that, you know, we all know that takes time. But once it's yet all yellow flags, I basically print it out. So I've done everything so far on Scrivener. I write, I type, I dictate now, um, but I've created that draft and then I print it out. So um I do two two pages to one page, print out the whole thing, and then I spend however long it takes, depending on how rough it is, um, hand editing that myself. So I will, I often go to cafes, so the last few days because I've been editing, I've been at cafes and I'll, I'll basically do two hours and that would, you know, coffee and then I need the toilet and then I'll move to another cafe and I'll do another two hours and by then I'm pretty dizzy. Today I think um, it's a good job we have this scheduled because I was on my sixth hour of editing and I'm like, I'm a bit woozy. Um, but basically I hand edit and hand edit and scribble and scribble. Then I bring that back and I type my changes up into my Scrivener document. So, um, so, and I, by the way, I always back up. So I will save that draft, the draft that I've printed and I'll email it to myself. I will back it up on my spare drive. So I will always have a work in progress draft. Um, and I do that every day I'm writing first draft material and every day I edit. So I will always have a copy of the book at some point. I will never be the author who loses a draft, <laughs> touch wood. <laughs> Um, But no, I'm really hardcore careful about that because as much as you don't want to miss the drafts as you're writing, you do not want to miss a day of edits because it's so painful. So I do all those changes back into the document. Then I print it out again. So I now print out the second draft. All the flags are going to be blue, for example. I just change them all. Um, Then I print it out again. And then I go and read the whole thing and edit again. And much and that one, uh, sometimes I'll read it out loud or I'm reading it in my head, like trying to enunciate. I'm not reading it fast. Again, I'm still going through the whole thing. 
if uh, so for nonfiction like this book I've just finished this was my second full read and I'm pretty happy so that's now going to the editor but this is like the eighth or ninth nonfiction book I've written so I'm quite confident about how I do things I'm quite happy with structure that that whole thing uh for a novel if it's the first in a series um for example when I'm inventing character and inventing uh world uh I may often have to do that whole thing again write new scenes print it out for the third time and and by the third time see and I don't I don't call it rewriting I would definitely call it editing so I never like rewrite a whole scene I might add another scene for fiction or add another chapter I might move the order around um but I'm generally now my books are quite in order and I know what I'm doing uh but that edits at that point are kind of line edits they're turning cliche into something better <laughs> um you know they're fixing things like dates or names or you know things wrong with the characters or they're adding adding new things or foreshadowing you know just a whole kind of checklist of stuff um and then I will send it to my editors um and also I would say at this point um so for Risen Gods um which was uh, the last uh, well not the last novel I wrote actually uh, one of the last novels I wrote um it was it has set in New Zealand and it's got a lot of volcanoes and volcanology and also Maori mythology so with that book at that stage I also send it as well as to my editor I send it to beta readers so to um I send it to a, a Maori guy and also to a volcanologist and they will beta read for content and I'd say to them this is not this is not the finished book yet you know this is not the fully edited but it's good enough to send uh, and get feedback on that level so yeah then it goes to my editor then the edits come back then I do those edits then I print it out again <laughs> hand edit again send it either back to the editor if um, I need that which I sometimes do on the first book in a series and then I make any changes and then it goes to a proofreader so I'm pretty hardcore with my process is that hardcore do you think I, I would say that's hardcore <laughs> <laughs> but but I and I've thought about this because some people say that um this is unnecessary but I I'm in this for the long haul and also for me editing is about making my work better mm -hmm. so I pay high you know a premium to get a good editor to say to make my work better and what's gratifying about the editing process to me is not making the same mistakes next time and but I never want I never want a, something to come back from an editor with nothing on it that's a waste of money <laughs> you know um I want you could make this better by giving you know giving this character a better arc or there would be more balance if there was this imagery in this scene or you know stuff like that that's what I'm paying for at this level. And I think, yeah, I'll continue to use editors in order to improve my writing. Mm -hmm. So then do you, have you found, because you say you're growing and you're learning as you're getting more back from the editing. So do you find that the notes are coming back with less and less on it each time? Not each time that you've sent it back, but each new book that you do, are you yeah. getting less back? Definitely. The line edits, you know, can be very few as in the grammatical or 
sentence structure. Um, I think you can get that. I'm more interested in an expert in thrillers, for example. My my thriller editor, Jen, she did a master's degree in like in commercial fiction. <laughs> so, you know, the story grid by Sean Coyne, you know, she kind of that's that's what she does with the book and she'll map it and she'll say, you know, if you just it's more about sort of deconstructing the emotional rise and fall of the story. Uh, and she'll, you know, she will literally say, if you add some, the same symbolism here, it will echo the beginning and the end, or this character's, this character feels um, unfinished, but here's something you could do. And that's what I really like is when an editor basically acts more like a creative partner and says, you know, how about this happens? Or why don't you use that character here? And that will give them a bigger role in the story. Um, you know, or this is, this is awesome, which I really like because um, one of my editors, and also I think you have to change editors over time as you improve and they change also what books they like. So one of my editors resigned um, when uh, my books got darker and that and now but Jen when I write some when I write a particularly good death scene she'll be like this is great <laughs> <laughs> so therefore I know we have the same mind and that's really important I think it never I would never have a romance editor edit my books mm -hmm. um you know and with, and with respect they you know a romance uh, author should not have a thriller editor or a horror editor edit their books because you know it's just a different type of book well, I'd like to just go back to um, something you said. I mean, I think I think that's kind of <laughs> kind of awesome how you you, you kind of made your editor quit. <laughs> your novels went so dark. <laughs> but um, you, you sort of said there about your your beta readers. You had a, a meteorologist and a, a, vulc a volcanologist. Yeah, a, a volcanologist and a, um, a Maori. Guy. Not to be mistaken with a volcanologist uh, for any Star Trek fans. Whatever that. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so. With beta readers, how do you do? You is this how you pick them? Is this how you go about choosing your beta readers? You think what kind of specific knowledge is in this um, novel? So, for example, in your in your fiction, um, and then you kind of choose them around that. Um, is is that yeah. your approach yeah. for each book? Yeah, definitely. So, um, and again, like the last one, Destroyer of Worlds, um, I had, uh, which is set in India, I had an Indian lady read it, who's a, a fan of my fiction, uh, who lives in Mumbai. And she was great. And she said, oh, you've got this, you you call a taxi on the corner, this corner in Mumbai, you can't get that kind of taxi at that in that area in Mumbai, um, change it to this kind of taxi. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I changed it. And, um, and I've had several Indian readers say, you got it right. You know, and I've traveled a lot in India and a lot of my books are based on my own travels. So I try really, really hard to get it right. But I use, I, I think I also use beta readers in that sense as a cultural check because I don't want to use stereotypes. So again, with Risen Gods, um, one of the characters is Maori, a uh, Maori male. And I did not want to, uh, you know, have like a caricature of a Maori man. Um, so I actually, I don't even know how uh, this guy Aaron, well, basically, when I talk about my books on my podcast, people will email me and say, can I beta read it? Um, so they kind of self-select half the time. So this book, um, the, the Successful Author Mindset, which is the nonfiction I've just finished, um, uh, a lovely reader um author friend 
emailed and said, you know, I've got a degree in psychology. I'd love to be to read this for you from a psychology point of view. And I'm like, yeah, great. You know, that's fantastic. So, and the volcanologist guy actually did email me on my website and said, you know, I've got a master's in volcanology. I could read it for you for that. So now with a platform, people actually self-select themselves to me. Um, whereas in the early days, I just found people. Um, but to be honest, my feeling with fiction is, you know, I think some people think a beta reader should give you editorial feedback, but I don't think that's right. Um, I wouldn't, that's not what they should be doing. That's what you should pay for. A beta reader should give you some kind of emotional reaction or be an expert at that area. And really, you just want them to pick up any false notes like that taxi in Mumbai. It took the reader out of the story. Um, you know, or the Maori guy could have said, you've completely made my culture, you know, <laughs> terrible in your cultural appropriation. <laughs> but luckily he didn't. <laughs> that would have been difficult. Fair but um, yeah, so that's what I think beta readers are. And I might actually ignore what they say. Like I might ignore what my editor says, but generally I implement about 90%, I would say. How many uh, how many readers do you have on on beta readers go through your work? Oh, like just what I said, like a couple on just Risen couple, Gods, um, on Destroyer of Worlds. I think it was just that one. Uh -huh. um, there'll be one on on um, on this nonfiction. Th these are not paid roles. Mm -hmm. uh, I would pay a beta reader if it was really necessary. So, for example, I've got an idea that would be sort of. Um, biohacking genetic thing and I wouldn't need I wouldn't really need an expert you know sort of biogeneticist whatever to read it for technical technicality so I would I would consider paying a technical beta reader for that reason um, but generally I think people are really happy to be involved in your books so if you have a platform or you have an email list don't be afraid to ask and um, people love, you know, I just basically send people, a I put their name in the acknowledgements and then I send them a, a free copy. That's a nice way to do it. That's a nice way uh, <laughs> to get them along on that. So um, your process, definitely hardcore, but necessary, I'd say, because you're going to get a much higher quality product. Is there any time along the way that uh, as you're writing a book, that you have to shelve it for a while to try to redevelop some ideas or do you even have a set time before you start your editing? Like you finish your first draft, you put it away for a while before you start editing more? Um, I don't really have, I set deadlines around trying to get stuff done, <laughs> but I don't really have any set times around putting things away. Um, sometimes, and actually, to be honest, with my fiction, when I there was one particular book um, I was really struggling with. I think it was uh, Delirium, uh, the second one in, in my London Psychic series. I was just like, this does not work. I don't, but I don't, I cannot work out what is wrong with it. And that's one of those points where basically I sent it to Jen and I said, tell me what's wrong with it, you know, and you know, as a, as a story content editor, she said, well, you know, this, this is what's wrong with it. And sometimes that's what you need. And I'll pay for another full edit if necessary to get over that hump. But sometimes, you know, I think 
And I learned that, you know, I've only co-written one, one, well, two books, one fiction and then a book on co-writing about that experience <laughs> with um, Jay Thorne. And one of the things I learned in that process, you don't have to do it on your own, especially if you're paying an editor. You know, if you have a co-writer, awesome. You can figure it out together or get the other person to write that scene. But with a, when you have an editor, you can pay them to be a story or a plot editor or a structural edit for nonfiction. Um, don't you know, spend however long just kind of stuck in your own world of pain. Um, you can, I think, I think authors feel like, you, you know, you have to protect your ideas, you know, and you can't talk about this story issue. But I think more and more indies certainly are, uh, are talking about this more and kind of saying, look, I've got this plot issue. You know, how could I get out of this or whatever? Yeah, um, I, I teach at a local college here. That's the same thing. All of my classes, I'm like, how many of you scared to uh, to share what you're working on? And like uh, half the hands go up. Like everyone yeah. is so terrified that someone's going to steal their steal their idea. idea. <laughs> yeah, and make a million dollars on it. So well, I still get people who email me and say, um, should I register copyright before I send this to an editor? Mm-hmm. Because they're afraid that the editor will steal their idea. And I'm like, don't worry, the editor will not be stealing your, <laughs> your idea or your book. I mean, seriously, it's crazy. But yeah, it's, I, it's very odd. I don't know whether it's just because I've been blogging for so long or I don't know, but it, it's, I don't see that as a concern. Um, you know, as we all know, you should protect yourself in some ways, but you just have to get on with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I see that as a goal, really, having... Um... <laughs> having ideas worthy of stealing. <laughs> worthy of stealing, yeah. No, yeah. it's true. I'd be like, oh, someone stole my idea. Yes. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, that um, you know, we've all got to acknowledge that there is nothing original under the sun and that m- m- what is original is taking existing ideas and combining them. So, you know, like I am d- just said about, um, you know, I've written a book called Ark of Blood, which is about the Ark of the Covenant. Finding the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, seriously, someone stole my idea. I think it was Indiana Jones or something. Um, <laughs> but, the, you know, all and all romance books have been written before. Uh, you know, this, I don't think people remember that, that story is archetypal and, you know, won't change. And the only thing that is terrible is plagiarism. And, you know, we have seen instances of that Um piracy is not so bad plagiarism is i think yeah yeah when someone takes a little known book and just slaps a new cover on it changes a couple things i had a friend who's down in uh just a neighboring city but she's been going through a lawsuit trying to get it back and of course the lawsuit's costing her more than she ever has made on the book to begin with but um yeah it's very rare we should say that's very rare and shouldn't stop you creating Mm -hmm. absolutely not because you just got to keep going with it. And um, there was a, a question I had. Um, so Jen is your thriller editor, correct? Yeah. So a lot of times when I know people are in the indie and they're just trying to get um, their stuff put together, when they think editor, they just are thinking about grammatical editing. And so mm. they just look online to find someone who can do that. How did you go about finding a great thriller editor? Uh, well, I would say that to everyone, I think editing is a bit like dating and you're never going to find the first person. <laughs> you're never going to like, it won't be the first person you kiss, <laughs> basically. Um, uh, so I, I've had about 12 different editors, I think, along the way. Um, and, you know, 
it's highly, un- it would be highly doubtful to say that Jen will be my editor until I die. You know, I would love her to be, but she's busy as well. She's also an author. So uh, Jen Blood, in case anyone's interested, um, which is a brilliant name for a thriller author. <laughs> um, but um, I started out with some other editors. Um, in fact, if people are interested at thecreativepen.com forward slash first novel, I actually have all the posts from like 2009 when I first did NaNoWriMo through to 2011 when I put out that first book um, through all the editing process, through a structural edit, line edits, um, you know, proofreading, launch, pain, uh, through to when I got a New York agent and then sold like 100,000 copies of something. So it's a really like long process. (laughs) But um, that that goes through how it feels to get your first edit and I just literally found my first editor um Steve uh and his his interview's still online um by googling I think I think it must have been googling and then picking someone that I resonated with and uh, I actually do have a list on my website thecreativepen.com forward slash editors and uh there's a whole list there of people who I've kind of met over the years. I've interviewed a lot of them. Um, So I think if people can, you know, or ask other authors, so especially indies, you know, look at the back of people's books and find editors in your genre. Uh, And then basically, I can't even remember how I found Jen. I don't know how it worked. I remember that my, another, this was, I think, well, anyway, this editor I was using resigned. And then I was like, oh dear, what do I do now? That's crazy. Um, and then somehow I found Jen and everything was brilliant. It may be that I read one of her novels and then read at the back that she was also an editor. Um, but anyway, we connected and that's how that happened. And she's brilliant. She works really well for me. Uh, but I had I paid a number of different people at the time and just, you know, they did an edit of a book and then I didn't, I just didn't think that was right for me um but a lot of people moan about it and just tar all editors with the same brush and that's that's just not the way it works um you have to give people a go and you know see what happens absolutely um i have one more question peter do you have anything of this off the top of your head before i kind of Um, shift focus yeah i was um just off the back of um the, the editorial topic. Um, your your novels um, have subjects like quite wide ranging. Um, so you know, like the military and self defense and paranormal. And um, how how challenging do you find the research for this sort of stuff um, in regards to accumulating any any knowledge that you need before you go ahead and tackle the plot idea that you have? <clears throat> I probably do it quite sneakily. Uh, like you mentioned, the military. Um, Morgan Sierra is ex-military <laughs> so I don't actually have to do anything in the military um, she does know Krav Maga so that would be an example is Israeli martial arts so I just watched a whole load of Krav Maga videos on YouTube <laughs> I'm like um, you know fight Krav Maga fighting in a necklock or something and then I literally just write what I see on the screen so that would my that is my research over fight scenes I literally google it and then write what I see That's elbow really cool. goes here <laughs> Um, but, um, also a very good friend of mine, Alan Baxter has a great book called write the fight, right. And I think I recall that podcast. Yeah. yeah, Alan's brilliant. And it's a really good book. Uh, If people want to write fight scenes, go do that. And one day I'm just going to pay 
Al to write my fight scenes. <laughs> he doesn't know that, but I, that's what I really want. That's my goal. Um, and I love research, so I do loads and loads of research, but that's my fun. That's what I love. That's why I, I think that's why I write books is so I can research. I think that is actually the point. Um, so for end of day, so I've been to Israel loads, right? But um, for end of days, uh, which will be my next arcane book, uh, after Destroyer of Worlds, I have to have end of days. Um, it just works. Um, we're going to go back to Israel. Um, so I can do a research trip, obviously, that will tie into that book. So basically, that old I, chestnut. Yeah, that old chestnut. But it works. You know, my accountant's happy. So um, so that's the thing. It's For me, the research is kind of the point. Um, but if there's stuff I don't want to research, like the other one, um, desecration, my character starts out as a police officer, but I rapidly got bored with the police. So she left the police <laughs> and, and became a private investigator so I don't have to write about the police. <laughs> so essentially, you don't have to... You, you can research the stuff you're interested in and that's probably my number one tip for writing you don't write what you know you write what you're interested in and what you're curious about and that's what you that's what drives you because otherwise if you write what you know your brain is rapidly you rapidly run out of stuff um, whereas if you write what you're curious about it you'll never stop writing yeah, yeah. I just have a blank page. That's that's what I know. There it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right there. Our lives are all quite boring, really. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> so I had uh, one other question as we wrap this up. So what is uh, one of your biggest pet peeves when working with an editor? Uh, probably not getting enough comments back. Like... It's painful, but that's what I'm paying for. So I want a good amount of stuff that I could improve. Whether or not I use that is, is up to me. But I want the full critical stuff. So even my proofreader, I say to my proofreader, look, if anything, if you want to just leave any comments, you can leave comments as well. Or if you think something just stands out, just add that too. Um, you know, and any, uh, you know, I value all of that before publication um so that's it's it's quite it's a small peeve but that's probably why I have moved on from editors is maybe if they haven't actually I don't feel they've given me value for money in terms of enough stuff that I can improve um but partly again that comes from finding the right person uh yeah but generally I really you know you can hear I'm a real fan of editors I think well, I think, you know, my aim is as in a professional indie author with a long-term career, I want to stand I want my books to stand next to traditionally published books and be better than them. So, I want to pay professional editors and I want to pay cover designers and I want my books to be the best they can be. And a, a traditional publishing, I believe, would never skip editorial. So, therefore, I will never skip editorial. Bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to stand up and applaud for that. That's that's good stuff right there. I don't have anything else to add, Peter. <laughs> like that's like the perfect way to end that up. So you can like cut that quote out and like just play it. Yeah, just play it. I'm just gonna play it again and again. You Anyone who I talk to. Of every podcast. Uh -huh. <laughs> Joanna Penn, 2016. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joanna, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you or to find your work? 
so thecreativepen.com, pen with a double N, and you'll find my podcast there, The Creative Pen Podcast, if people like podcasting. Um, I'm on episode, I think, 272 now. It's been oh, wow. years. Um, and also jfpen.com, F for Francis, uh, jfpen.com. And all my uh, fiction, nonfiction, everything is on all the stores in all the formats. And uh, yeah, or tweet me at The Creative Pen. Well, we certainly appreciate having you here on the show today. This has been a real pleasure. Thanks um, for having me, guys. You are very welcome. I think we lost Peter there. But uh, I'll close this up. <laughs> if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, a plus on Google, or a like on YouTube. And if you're an editor who'd like to be a guest on the show, stop by thebookeditorshow.com and drop us an email. I'm Clark Chamberlain, and from our co-host, Peter Turley, keep writing, keep learning, and build a better book. Thank you for listening, and come back next week for more. Please visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books and extras, and for information on how to be a guest on the show. <laughs>